praise you, Lord. We've been taking some, uh, I guess you would call them field trips recently. Been uh, going to some other churches and, and visiting. And last Sunday night we uh, enjoyed going out seeing the brother and sister man and being up with the Davises. And their church never been to that church before, so that was a that was a blessing to go to. And old George Davis, and we've known him for a long, long time. We've been on on a few trips. We went down to see Sister Beth preach, and uh, and it's been a good time. But it is good to be here in this house this morning. We're having church here tonight, so we'll be coming back six o'clock. Amen. And to our visitors, God bless you so much. So glad you're here. I think you know that what our subject is. I've been in church all my life. I can't remember a time when I wasn't in church. A little guy laying under the seats going to sleep. I woke up in church. Like Adam woke up in God's day, I woke up in church. And have spent my life I've been to a lot of churches. I've been to probably several hundred churches. And as a, as a child, you know, just trying to formulate, Rodney was talking about this some, trying to formulate what church is about, what, what it all means. And is it just, you know, something that we, we put in that time for, for the Lord? I mean, we do our own thing, so now we're going to put in some time for the Lord. Or is it really the greater about our Lord Jesus Christ? And I have come to believe. I've now been in church 60, almost 68 years. And I've come to believe one thing. It's about him. I'm convinced. Are we involved in it? Yes, we're involved. Because we are followers of the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm not a follower of church. I'm part of the church, but I'm not a follower of church. I'm a follower of Jesus Christ. And so because of that, I've, I've spent this last several years just saying, Lord, we just, we just want to review you. I've always felt like that's kind of our part. My ministry, I'm not, maybe not a typical, typical pastor, I guess. I, I'm not sure how we came to the typical American pastor anyway, but we produced that, and really sort of his job. And, and, and early on when I was pastoring, it, I, I kind of tried to fill that role. I'm just talking for a few minutes. Is that okay? I tried to fill that role a little bit. You know, you're, you're kind of the church plumber, the church roof fixer. I mean, not just the church, uh, people's homes and, and just going doing uh, you neglect your own home and your own kids, and you go to somebody else's birthdays and all that. That's all of the, you know, we've, we've made our pastors that. My priority is to bring Jesus Christ to the front. Some of those things we may do, but that, that's, that's not. Jesus said to Peter, the first pastor ever, I'm delivering to you one duty. Feed my sheep. Ultra important. Feed my sheep. Don't run, run business. 
running church business, doing all the church things. So that's, that may have some value to it, but feed my sheep. I understand this. If you don't get the Lord in your life, and especially to our young people, if they don't get the Lord in their life, when they get 18 years old and move out of the house, they're gone. And probably not coming back. But if we can get Jesus in our life, hallelujah, that's the answer. Amen. Jesus is the answer for the world today. Can you say amen? Amen. So I, I want, we've, we've been doing this uh, where we've been going into the Old Testament and just grasping some of those things out of the Old Testament to bring them into the light of the New Testament. And some of those prophetic words that are back there, Jesus said, go search them out. And so we're searching them out. And so today I've got something that, that I haven't really, and I've been preaching a long time, but I don't think I've preached on this particular exact subject. So if you have your Bibles, I want to go to, to uh, the book of Genesis in the uh, 14th chapter. And there I want to read just a little section of Scripture from the 18th to the 20th verse, 14th chapter of Genesis, 18 to 20. And Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought forth bread and wine. And he was the priest of the Most High God. And he blessed him and said, Blessed be Abraham of the Most High God, the possessor, possessor of heaven and earth, and blessed be the Most High God, which hath delivered thine enemies into thine hand. And he gave him tithes of all. It switches subject there. Uh, it was Melchizedek speaking, talking, and then the last stanza, and he gave him tithes of all. Melchizedek did not give Abraham tithes of all. Abraham gave Melchizedek, ties of all. So if you'll go with me into Psalms, the 110th chapter. We were there last week and took a different thought. Go with me to the prophet David. I never considered the man to be a prophet until recently. He probably, I'm going to say, he prophesies more about Christ than anybody in the Old Testament. The 110th Psalm, if you go down to the fourth verse. The Lord has sworn and will not repent. Thou art a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. I'm going to have to take you to the book of Hebrews to find this subject again. Isaiah doesn't talk about it, nor Ezekiel or Jeremiah. We don't find this subject again until we get into the New Testament, the seventh chapter of Hebrews. And I'm just going to let it just, just stay right there because we're going to read some things out of the seventh chapter of Hebrew. But I want to talk about Melchizedek this morning and um, hopefully just challenge our hearts one more time. Lord, we thank you. Your word is, is so powerful. And what we didn't know when you show us by way of revelation, it just warms our heart, Lord. I pray that we'll see you in another feature 
of who you are. God, we just ask you, Lord, to bless your word. Bless this sermon this morning. Bless this country preacher. Lord, that I'll understand and bring your word to light. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Big debate. I've heard it many times. Heard it talked about, preached about, studied about. Melchizedek. Melchizedek. The Hebrew, and where we get that translation from, uh, actually the quote of Melchizedek, the name. The Hebrew is Malki Tezedek. Well, that's that pretty, pretty if we just lay it out there. Melchizedek. But the word is made up of two parts. And we'll talk about that here just briefly. When we look for Melchizedek, we can only apply what is written in Scripture. There's a lot of supposition out there. There's a lot of pre-positioned theology about Melchizedek. And so when we go in the Word of God, I think we have to put aside the commentary, okay? Everybody want to put aside the commentary this morning? Because I just read you in the New Testament everything there is to know in the Old Testament about Melchizedek. There's no other scripture about it. And so we're going to derive from that and the New Testament. We're going to derive this definition of this subject, this person of this subject, Melchizedek. And uh, clear it up in our heart and mind really, really what God was doing here and and so, he is the king of Salem. The king of Salem. Every commentary is going to tell you he is the king of Jerusalem. The problem is, it was inhabited by the Jebusites and the Canaanites. And you're going to find Old Testament Reference to early Jerusalem being Jebus. Not Jerusalem, but Jebus. And so this, this word, king of Salem, is just what it is. If, it, if he meant to say Jerusalem, it would have said Jerusalem. But really, what is Salem? Salem is peace. King of peace. So we can establish that this... Melchizedek was the king of peace. He was the priest of the Most High God. Interesting. That God, before there was a priesthood, before there was a law, before there was Moses, before there was a tabernacle, before there was Aaron, before there was a priesthood, this character, Melchizedek is the priest of the Most High God. One of the interesting factors, and, and I think this, this caught my interest, this, the first statement about him, he does something that's different than all the rest of the priesthood. He comes out, I don't know where he comes out of, he doesn't come out of Jerusalem, but he shows up when Abraham... Abraham is returning from the spoil, from the slaughter, rather the scripture says, the slaughter 
of the kings. Sometimes in the Old Testament, it was appropriate to slaughter. Now, I'm not God, and I don't, I'm, I'm going to tell you what. I've got feelings about the terrorist, and I, I think you probably do too. And I think God has some feelings about the terrorist too. People that would decapitate babies, and you know, all that stuff's going on in the news. You think God is just, I just love him. I just love him. Uh, he told at times, remember he told Saul, he said, you go down and you wipe out the Amorites, I think it was. You wipe them out. Don't leave one. Don't leave a mama. Don't leave a baby. Don't leave any of them. Wipe them out. I think there's a time. So Abraham is returning from this little war that he was in. He got 300 of his people, his shepherds who were Strong men, they took swords, they chased down those that had come and plundered the town of Sodom where Lot was residing. And, and so now he's on his return and he's got spoil from that. They take everything that had been taken by these kings, they take it back. And Abraham now, he stops in a place where the kings gather. And I don't know what that place is, but anyway, he stops there. The king of Sodom is there. So the next verse, it'll say the king of Sodom said unto Abraham. But out steps Melchizedek. And when he comes out, he's bringing bread and wine. I don't know if you see that significant or not, but we'll, we'll see it here in a minute. And he blesses Abraham. If God was against slaughtering those wicked, then he would have rebuked Abraham. But no, he blesses Abraham. I mean, these guys are still probably blood dripping off of their garments. They've been out slaughtering people. But it was a slaughter in righteousness. And now Melchizedek blesses Abraham. And Abraham does something that is unprecedented. No one told him to do. There is no scriptural uh, command God never spoke to him to do such a thing. But he gave a tithe of everything. Now, I believe he gave a tithe of, of everything he had. Because he told the king of Sodom, I'm not taking any of this spoil. Because if I do, you will say, Abraham got rich off of that war. He said, I'm not doing that. You're taking all that stuff. So I don't think it was the spoil that he gave. I think he gave of his own self. A tithe to the Lord. Tithing's not preached on too much anymore. When I was a kid, and you know, I'm, I'm going to take an approach at it here. I'm going to touch it this morning. But when I was a kid, if you didn't tithe, you were on your way to hell. In fact, your, your shoes were already burning. You know, ready to cast you in the lake of fire, you know. I'm, I'm not, I'm not going to go there, but, but I am going to touch it, though. I am going to touch it. And so really... Malki Testek means king of righteousness. The king of righteousness. The king of righteousness steps out from wherever he was. It meets Abraham. There, there's got to be some, some physical uh, attributes. Um, what was this? Was it an angelic visit? I'm, I'm sure I don't know what 
and angels are limited to or can do, cannot do, but he comes bearing, he's holding bread and wine, so there is some, he's not just an apparition, he's not just a spirit, but he administers bread and wine to Abraham. Now, we're not going to hear of Melchizedek again in the Old Testament. Isn't that interesting? You will not hear of him again until David brings it up in Psalms 110. You'll never hear the other prophets say nothing about him. No one says anything about Melchizedek. Only David in Psalms 110. And so God put it away from Abraham's time to David. We can go to the book of Matthew and find out how long that was. Fourteen generations, God put it away. Just set it at rest. And then from David until Christ, 28 more generations. We don't hear the name Melchizedek at all. It's not preached. It's not taught. There isn't any kind of, you know, Melchizedek worship. Which most of us do anything that God does. We tend to want to worship that instead of Him. But then... David speaks a thing that says, Yahweh has sworn. Remember last, if, if you look at the first verse in, in Psalms 110, remember last week, the Lord said unto my Lord. Well, this, this is parallel to that. Yahweh has sworn unto my Lord and will not relent. I like this. You are a priest forever according to the order of Melchizedek king of righteousness. The real true prophetic word of God does not relent. There's a lot of things that relent. And I said this last week, there's a lot of lot of prophecy out there they need to relent on. They need to let it go. It's not working out. It's not the truth. But the prophecies concerning Christ and concerning what will happen, what is to come, even though they lay for 14 generations and then they lay for 28 more generations, it's still just as alive when God swore it out 30-something generations, 32 gen 42 generations before when God swore it out. God has sworn, and when God swears it, you can count on it. it you may not see it. It may not even happen in your generation. But when God swears it out, it's going to come to pass. The real prophetic word of God. And that's what we're after. Can you say amen? I'm not after a, a, a false, feel-good, prophetic word. But I want to know that real word of God. And so, hidden. Oh, the treasures. The treasures of knowledge and wisdom are hid in Jesus Christ. By the Spirit of God, we believe that all Scripture has been inspired by God. Can you say amen? All Scripture inspired by God. And so, we go to the book of Hebrews. I don't believe the writer of the book of Hebrews, which we think was Paul. It doesn't name it. But we believe that the writing is like his. And, and it seems that Paul wrote it. Um, there is a spirit now of revelation that comes over the writer of Hebrews. 
It's something that God said 42 generations ago. And now it's come time to bear it out. It has come to pass. It's got to the place where God says, now I'm going to reveal this thing and show you what Melchizedek was all about. And so if we look in this seventh chapter, if you have your scriptures, I'm, I'm going to read just a, a, a little as we go because I don't want to do it on supposition again and, 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 and predisposition, but I want to look at the word of God for, for this Melchizedek. He is, he is the priest of the Most High God, just like it says in the book of Genesis. Translated the king of righteousness, the king of Salem. He is the king of peace. It says interesting thing here in the book of Hebrews, though, that we don't find in the old record. It says he is without father and without mother. And so go to any concordance, go to any study Bible, what they're going to tell you is they didn't have a record of him. See? And they didn't record who his mother and his father were. So we don't know who his mother and his father were. And he's without genealogy. See, they didn't write it down. So it was too, you know, too ancient for them to write it down. They didn't know where he came from. But, but then we find out, the writer of Hebrews says, neither having beginning of days nor end of life. So we can scratch the record thing. Say, well, they didn't keep record, but, but what are we going to do with this? He doesn't have a beginning of days. And he doesn't have an end of days. <coughs> but he is a perpetual priest unto God. It says something here that you need to take note of. It says something here. And you, 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 uh, it says... Having been made like unto, but the word there, this Greek word, actually means a facsimile. Does everybody know what a facsimile is? Anybody here have a fax machine? Uh, fax, F-A-X, is short for facsimile. What does it mean? An exact copy. Melchizedek was made an exact copy of something else. The Lord was not made a copy of Melchizedek. But Melchizedek, neither beginning of days or ending of days, was made a copy like unto the one that was to come. The Son of God is what is the way the, the writer of the book of Hebrews made a facsimile of the Son of God. Remains a priest perpetually, continually, and unbroken. His priesthood never stopped. And so I, I want to look at this because we know that this is going to refer, and you know where I'm going. You know, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not leaving you just with El, uh, Melchizedek, a priest out in the Old Testament. But like the book of Hebrews, we're going to bring him close to us. We're, we're going to find out just exactly what this priest was. He was a facsimile of something else. 
The scripture never calls Melchizedek a high priest. You can go through it and read it through. And I always thought that it referred to him as the high priest in the Old Testament. No, he was the priest. Because that which was to come was greater than that which was. Everything in the Old Testament is just a shadow, a figure, a type. It's not the real. But the real is revealed in who? In the Lord Jesus Christ. And so if you believe that what the Lord said, go in the, go in the Old Testament and search the Scriptures, and there you will find me there, then what we have is a facsimile of what was to come. That was not the great. The great is what was to come when he became flesh and dwelt among us. Can you say amen? Not just the type of what would be, but, but that priesthood was always with God. He was always going to be the high priest. And in the mind and heart and the logos of God, he was always ordained to be the high priest. And, and God, Yahweh, spoke and said, I'm making a decree, and I want to decree it way back here with you and beyond you, David, that, that I'm calling a high priest, and he's going to be after the order of what Abraham saw Melchizedek, but there is going to be this actual physical high priest come to be. Can you say amen? And so I do want to read. I don't want some people get bored when you begin to read scripture during a sermon. So I'll be very careful here. I've got just a few spots. I want to go back to the fifth chapter, if you would, with me. And I just want to read five little verses here. In the fifth chapter, beginning in the fifth verse. So also Christ did not glorify himself to become a high priest, but he, speaking to him, said, You are my son today, I have begotten you. And as he also says in another, You are a priest forever according to the order of Melchizedek, who in the days of his flesh, offering both petitions and entreaties to him, being able to save him from death, with strong crying and tears and being heard from his godly fear, though being son, he learned obedience from what he suffered. And having been perfected, he became the author of eternal salvation to all those obeying him, having been called out by God as a high priest according to the order of Melchizedek. Right there, the order. It's an interesting word if you look at that. Look at that. It actually means a rank. It's a military term. And they would rank their army starting with the high going to low. They would start with their, their highest officer, their general of the army, and then they would line them down. And that was the rank in which they, uh, which they obeyed. The orders it came from the high, went down to the low. The lowest man has no no rank. You know, just a private in the army. You you just do whatever you're told, right? You just you're just there to to listen to others. But when we talk about this rank, now we've got we've got a different rank, and I love this because Jesus did not come through Aaron. Jesus was not a Levite. Jesus never went into the Holy of Holies of the temple. 
He wasn't allowed to. But he's of another order. God would substitute Aaron and for Moses and for the children of Israel. He would bring in a substitution called the high priesthood which Aaron would give to his sons and their sons and, and it was intended for them to perpetually uh, that they would be high priest and then their sons would be high priest. And God ordered this thing for the people but now we have a different high priesthood that's going on. See, that high priesthood was just for Israel. It finished. It was over. It's done. I don't even know if they even have high priesthood anymore. I don't know what they have with the people of, of the Jewish sect anymore. I don't know what it's about. But I do know this, that the Scripture said that when he came, he didn't come by it being inherited to him from Aaron, but rather it was sworn out by God to him. It wasn't something that man handed to him. And whether he went in that temple and went into to sacrifice, that would be wrong for him anyway to take an animal sacrifice and an animal blood into the Holy of Holies. No, because this priest has got something more greater than this. This is the highest of the high. This is the greatest of the great. There is no high priest. Aaron, Aaron will fall down at his feet even though Aaron has been anointed from head to toe and he is the anointed of God. He will fall prostrate down at the feet of the Lord Jesus Christ because he cannot stand in the presence of God. He is the highest of the highest, the greatest of the great. You will never bring him down and his order is that he is top rank and everything else is under him amen the manner which he came out to Abraham I want to talk about that he received type of or, or tithe of Abraham I believe that in type Abraham is giving 10% of all of his living to the Lord Jesus Christ. It's amazing. God gave him that opportunity. See, he has no church. He has no pastor. He has no priest. He has no Bible. But the Lord came to him. I'm going to tell you something. If you want to do right, the Lord's going to come to you. And the Lord came to him. And Abraham was able to give to his God. Jesus said something interesting, and I want to couple this with the Jews were attacking the Lord in John 8, talking about Abraham, and he said, Before Abraham was, I am. And then he said an interesting thing. He said, Abraham saw my day. He said, that's impossible. You're not even 50 years old. How could Abraham see your day? I believe Abraham saw his day in Melchizedek. And he rejoiced. I'll tell you something right now. There is no better feeling than to give unto your Lord God. Whether that's praise or, or your life or finance or whatever that is, there is nothing more fulfilling 
There is nothing more joyful than to give unto the Lord. You're having a little problem in your life. You're not feeling just right. The joy's kind of gone. I'm going to tell you this. Start giving to Jesus. Because when you give to Jesus, you're going to start rejoicing in your heart. It is a pleasure. It is a joy to give to the Lord. Now, I want to couple this with Melchizedek coming out with bread and wine. The high priesthood didn't do this. They came out with animal sacrifice. No, Melchizedek comes out with bread and wine. So I would like to look at this as the beginning, the first notification, if you would, of the high priesthood of God. And then I want to go into an upper room of the last night of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, the last night of His life. He's after the order of Melchizedek. The last thing he's going to do with his disciples. Last thing. He brings out the bread and the wine. Well, we know now, well, Abraham didn't know what it meant, but we know now, Jesus said, this is my body. And this is my blood poured out. This is poured out for the sins of the nation. This is poured out for the sins of the world. And after the type and order of what was originally seen in the high priesthood of God and now is seen in Christ Jesus is that He brings out the body and the blood. He brings out the man, Jesus Christ, who is given for our sin. And this is the type of what the order of which He's in this is the type. He brings out the bread and the wine. And we know it to be the body and blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amazing. At this, Abraham gives a tithe unto God. Let, let me say it this way. I'm putting my glasses on so I can read what I got down here real close. Tithe should be given where the body and the blood of the Lord is administered. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Where He visits and where He blesses His people. This is pattern. If you want to look at pattern, the first tithing event that we know of in the history of mankind is done exactly in this manner. And so I'm, I'm not a tithing, like I said, I'm not an offering tithing preacher. I'm going to get by no matter what goes on. I, I work for the Lord. I don't work for people. That I've, I've seen that stunt too much. You say the right thing, I'll tithe. You say the wrong thing, I'm not tithing. That's okay. I don't care anything about that. Somebody said, is tithing essential? I, I, I want to look at this spiritually. Is tithing essential? Pastor, you know, it's not really taught in the New Testament. You know, uh, the apostles really didn't teach and so on and so forth. And, and that, you're right. You're right. You're right. There, there, there is some truth in that, that they did not teach it per se. But is tithing essential? Abraham thought so. Let me say it this way. Only if you consider the great high priest worthy of it. 
If you don't consider the great high priest worthy of your tithe, then okay, don't give it. So to think of a heaven or hell issue, I don't I think that's what that's why, you know, bless God, we're going to beat you into tithing. I'm not going to beat you into tithing at all. In fact, I am going to encourage you not to tithe if you don't think he's worthy of it. Secondly, if you don't think the king of righteousness, I mean, the great high priest, the king of righteousness, Melchizedek, that's, that's the interpretation of Melchizedek, the king of righteousness. I know who the king of righteousness is. Can you say amen? I just understand in the scripture who the king of righteousness is. And so if I don't think he's worthy of it, then, then no. If you don't believe the words of Jesus, seek ye first the kingdom of God, and you don't believe in his kingdom or his church, and you don't believe that the church is the body of Jesus Christ, then keep your money in your pocket because you're going to need it. There's going to be a lot of opportunities for you to spend your money. Well, let me use an old term. You're cursed. Your money's cursed. Well, it's, but that's Old Testament, Pastor. Oh, okay. You know. Like I said, if you have a heart, do you believe the kingdom of God is worthy? Do you believe the kingdom of God where we where we come together and we have a church body and we, we pray and we, we seek out to, to touch the lost and, and minister over the people. If you think that the body of Christ is worthy, then you do it. If you don't, then don't do it. But those who tithe to God's things, I believe there is such a blessing in it. I heard this years ago. I was a kid. I was trying to, young married, trying to find my way. And, and is this something that God requires? And I've got to do this. And I'm telling you, we didn't have two nickels to rub together. There were many, many times that we couldn't pay our bills. This has nothing to do with paying bills. This has to do with honoring the great high priest. This has to do with God. I'm going to bless you. Come hell or high water. None of that matters. I bless you, Lord. Your kingdom. Your, your progress. Your, the progress of your kingdom. The, the expanse of your kingdom is what I am investing into. Can you say amen? Oh, that's good stuff. That's good stuff. So I've heard tithe preached a lot of times, but I've never heard it preached like that. <coughs> the Levitical priesthood, Aaron's high priesthood, and, and I am going to finish early today, and, and so everybody is going to make a run up here to the, put their money in the bucket. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <coughs> the Levitical priesthood, Aaron's high priesthood, the scripture says, the priest, which was administering the sacrifice, had to bring sacrifice in for himself. But I like how this is termed. But this man. Oh, I like that. But this man. He didn't need to bring sacrifice for himself. But in himself, he sacrificed 
for you and I. He was the first order, Melchizedek, and he is the last order of it. He is the beginning. He is the end. I'm going to close with the seventh chapter, um, verse 21. And I just have to read this. this is, I can't make this more beautiful than what this is. So I don't have that, you know, that ability to paint this picture. But listen to this. But he with the swearing through him who says to him, The Lord swore and will not relent. You are a priest forever, according to the order of Melchizedek. By so much, Jesus has become surety of a better covenant or a new testament. This is my testament of my blood. And they truly are priests, many hindered from continuing because of death. But he has the priesthood not to be passed on. Because of his continuing forever. In other words, there is no other high priest. Just this one. From this also he is able to save to perfection. Those who come to God through him. Ever living to intercede for them. Now you have to get the picture of the high priest. Somebody said, well... Well, Jesus is in heaven, and his job is he continues to intercede. Can you imagine how much interceding this is? Millions upon millions of people sinning every day, and I don't know how many coming to him, and he's just sitting there, Father, forgive. Father, forgive this one. Father, forgive that. No, that, that's not the inter interceding at all. He has set up a sacrifice as a high priest, and that sacrifice is perpetual. It is always interceding. For the sin of the people. There never comes a time where it runs out. We've got to get another sacrifice. Oh, that old lamb. We've got to get him off the altar and get another one on there. Every year cut another throat of a lamb. Get the blood. Take it in. No, there is just one sacrifice made by one man for all time, for all sin. He intercedes for every sinner through the sacrifice that he made. Whoo, that a preach right there. And I told you I was going to close as I read, but I haven't closed yet, so... For such a high priest was fitting for us. Listen to this. Holy, harmless, undefiled, separated from sinners, and having become, whoa, watch this, having become higher than the heavens, who, who has no need, as do the other high priests, to offer sacrifices day by day, by day first for his own sins, them for those of the people. For he did this once for all, offering up himself. For the law makes men high priests who have infirmity. But the word of the swearing of an oath after the law appoints the Son forever, having been perfected. When you reach perfection, you cannot go any further. We don't need to look further. We just need to look into the one who is perfect. And so now they put a chapter division in between here, but they shouldn't have. Now a summary of these things being said. 
Everything I just said is for this. We, that's you and me, that's everybody in this building, have such a high priest who sat down in the right of the throne of majesty in heaven. Minister of the holies, not the earthly holy of holies, but the heavenly holy of holies and of the true tabernacle which the Lord pitched and not man. Man can't touch it. Thank you, Jesus. He wasn't appointed by men. Thank you, Jesus. He wasn't voted in. Thank you, Jesus. The church didn't put him as the head. He was the head of the church before there was a church. He was the high priest before there needed to be a high priest. He is the one who has been perfected. And now he is the author of our salvation. He is the finisher of our salvation. All that we have, all that we are about, it still goes to him. Can you say an amen? Right there. Now, the fourth chapter, and let me, uh, just a couple more minutes, please. The fourth chapter says, we don't have a high priest that is not touched with the feeling of our infirmities. The word infirmity here is not like the English rendering that we would think. When we think of an infirmity, we think of like a sickness, right? think I've got an infirmity I've got you know a problem in my body think of cancers as infirmities and and uh, heart disease as infirmity but really this word infirmity it just it just means that you're lacking strength it's it's that word asthenias when you put that ah on the front of that thenius is strength but ah, on the front of it means you just don't have strength. Weakness. Then it goes on to say, but he was tempted, tested in every point like we are. Therefore, he knows what to do. Man, I love that's the part. This man. And so when we look at our high priest, we don't just look at something, you know, that was spiritual. Maybe a theophany in the Old Testament, Melchizedek. But we have this man who was tested and tempted and tried in all points as we are. Yet, he was without sin. And he knows our weaknesses. Let me tell you something, Christian saint. Just about the time you think you've got it all figured out and you're ready to punch the button on cruise control. The Lord's going to reveal to you that you have a weakness. Because you are going to depend on the high priest just like in the Old Testament they depended on the high priest. They brought their sacrifice. They gave it to the high priest. because This is the pattern you are going to depend on Him and depend on Him and depend on Him. And, and maybe today there's a weakness in your life. But I'm going to tell you what. He empathizes with you. He knows that we are weak. He knows 
We are human. He knows that we are not perfect. He's just picking us up, strengthening us again, and we have the strength to go. And that's why we are more than conquerors in Christ Jesus. It's not us. It's the high priest. And we bring it to him and say, High priest, Lord, do this sacrifice for me. I can't do it myself. And he knows how to strengthen the weak. Can you say amen? How many of you have experienced a time in your life where you didn't know if you were going to make it or not? I'm going to tell you what. The hope is not psychology. It's not more drugs. It's not finding your answer in a, in a bottle. That, that don't, that'll never work. But it's bringing it to the great high priest. Hallelujah. Bringing it to that Melchizedek of God. That one who has made sacrifice for us all. He doesn't need to make anything else. He's done it all. He's done it all we do is rely on Him. Thank you, Jesus. So we get to know Him. I have in my life, and it's not comfortable. It's not easy to go through really hard times, really hard places. Have you ever had the rug pulled out from under you, under you in life? Things that you thought, things that you hoped for, and it's just jerked out from under you? You're going to find out you need a high priest. And he wants you to know that. We always had this in Pentecost. We always had this idea that God's going to strengthen you, strengthen you, strengthen you, strengthen you until you can just do it all on your own. Never. Never. We're totally dependent upon him. Thank you, Jesus. So we get to know him. Rabbi. Master. Lord. Savior. Mediator, the great apostle, the great high priest, our God Almighty. Would you bow your heads with me this morning? I just felt in prayer. You don't even need to come up. I, I don't think that's be necessary, but you can say with me, Pastor. No, come on up, play something, Heather, but. And say with me this morning that I've had to do so many times in my life. Pastor, I'm in a place of weakness. I have some asthenia. And I know it. And I'm dealing with it. But I can't do it by myself. I need God's help. I need that great high priest to reach down. Touch that weakness of my life. Because that's what he's going to do. That's, that's what he intends to do. Is take us out of the weakness. And bring us to strength in him. Would you just bow your heads? Would you raise your hand this morning? If, if you say, that's me, Pastor. I'm just I'm dealing with it. It could be a flesh thing. It could be a spiritual thing. It could be all kinds of manners of things in your life. Yeah, just lift your hand to the Lord right now. If that's you, just lift your hand to the Lord right now. Say, so Jesus, I invite you, Lord. Be, be my... Be my strengthener, Lord. Be my high priest this morning, Lord. God, I bring it to you, and I need sacrifice, but it's all in you, Lord. And, and so, God, I just, I just bring it to you, Jesus. Touch these lives, Lord, this morning, Lord. And lift, Lord, and strengthen, God, where we have an asthenia in our life, Lord. There's weakness there, oh God, strengthen Lord, and lift us, I pray, as we follow you, Lord. 
We can't even follow you without you lifting us up, Lord. And we ask you to do that in your name, Jesus. We give you glory. We give you praise. We give you praise. We give you praise. We give you praise. Come on and sing this.